Welcome to Marketing Success with Podcast Advertising. Have you been hearing the buzz about podcast advertising, but aren't sure where to begin? Join us here as we discover how to create a positive ROI and learn the best practices and tips from companies just like yours who have experienced great results. Now here's your host, Heather Osgood. In the podcast space, there are companies that dabble in the medium, companies that place ads here and there. They might run a few ads on a show because they know the host personally or because they get a request, but they're not really serious about the results or the campaign. And then there are businesses that go all in. They see the success that the medium can bring and they double down on their efforts. Blinkist is that type of company. Blinkist provides its customers with key takeaways from the world's best nonfiction books in text and audio. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sira from Blinkist. Sira is the Partnership and Influencer Marketing Manager. You're going to get a ton of great information in today's episode. Here's my interview with Sira. All right, welcome to the show. I am so excited to welcome Sira from Blinkist um, to the show today. Sira is a gentleman that I have been working with for a little while on some podcast ad campaigns, and I absolutely love the Blinkist product as a huge audio fan. Anything where I can get audio content is a win in my book. Uh, so Sira, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Heather. How are you? I'm good. Good. So now your office is located in Berlin, Germany, right? Yes, we are in Berlin. Yeah. Awesome. So great for you to be here. And I know it's it's my mid-morning, but it's kind of late in the evening for you. So thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk with us. My pleasure. No worries. So I thought if you could just start and by telling us a little bit about Blinkist and what exactly the product is. So we call ourselves as like an app business. So what we do is that I think like our principle is just to um, inspire learnings. So we offer content in bite-sized formats. So you can actually have the key ideas from nonfiction books that you can read or listen to in 15 minutes. So I think like the whole, like the unique point of Blinkist is that you can learn everywhere. You can learn on the go or you like commuting to work, you can just like finish a book that you wanted to read for a long time in just 15 minutes. And yeah, so we are pretty much in this education self-improvement space. And one of the questions I've had is, do you find that a lot of times people will listen to the 15 minute summary of the book and then say, wow, that was great. I want to actually listen to the full length audiobook now. Um, we see both patterns because like what we offer is already kind of like a compact size. So mm-hmm. you can actually get like um, kind of like um, the most informa- informations that you need already by that kind of um, content. But we see also like the other half kind of like get very kind of engaged and interested to find out more. And yeah, definitely um, they can actually um, go on and listen to the full episodes of the audiobooks or you can read the, the actual book. Yes, mm-hmm. we see both patterns. That's great. Well, I think that I'm a huge nonfiction reader. I I really only read nonfiction. And at the end of the book, oftentimes there are there are times where you think, I could have just taken like the key, I only needed the key takeaways. I didn't really need to read this 200 page book. Yeah, page book. Exactly. You probably could have written a 10 page book and it had it could have been just as effective. And so yeah. really the concept to me of Blinkist is so great. And I I like the idea that you can get all of the information you need in a 15-minute 
you know, series. And then if you decide that you really want more and if it's like that, if it's like, oh my gosh, this content is really interesting and engaging, then you have that opportunity to kind of dig in, but it allows you to get the information from so many different books in such a compact amount of time and as compared to sitting down and reading the book or even listening to the audiobook. Yeah. And also just to add on, I think like a lot of our users actually find Blinkist interesting to um, kind of like explore more of the topics that they don't really use to. For example, if you're a fan of um, business or self-improvement books, but then in Blinkist, you just discover like, hey, there's like a huge selections on this kind of like history, biography or mindfulness. And people just start reading books that they never really kind of like imagine that they could be um, interested in reading. And I feel like we are also um, very proud of that as well. Wow, that's a really good point. I actually really, I had not thought of that, but that makes such a good point because yeah, a lot of times I think there are books out there that are a bit intimidating and you're like, oh, I don't know if I really, you know, could do that or would want to do that. So that's, that's really cool. So now you have been doing podcast advertising as a company for a little while. So I was hoping that you could talk us through kind of what your journey has been with podcast advertising, um, how long you've been doing it, and kind of what made you as a company decide to start investing in it and continue to invest in it. Sure. So um, I think like I'm with Blinky for two years already. And since I joined, I kind of like um, become the part of the team who kind of like build this podcast advertising as the um, sustainable way for us as marketing to grow. So I think like um, the original idea is that we kind of audio products and podcasts is just, a, I think like imagine it's like a perfect place just to start with. And I feel like with that logic, we cannot assume that, okay, so if a listener of podcasts love to listen, love to learn things by listening, why not like why are not we not there because we also like um inspire learnings by listening as well mm-hmm. so i think like that's the first concept that we kind of like yeah we think that podcast might be um suitable for us and how we started is like i think like uh, for podcasts it's been quite like um very up and down journey a lot of learning curves because as you know, like not everyone actually know what's happening in the space. We always try new things. So I think like the first year was spent pretty much in just like building infrastructures, trying to understand how it works. Mm-hmm. And the second year, we kind of like have a lot of learnings and historical data, and we try to really scale up and make podcasts as like a viable um, marketing mix for, for our brands. So, um, all right, how we start. So I think like we start working with an agency based in U.S. first. Our main market is actually in U.S. And we just want to really like work with the local partners just to, to testing out. Yeah, like first time we just really want to testing out. And I think the strategy is that we kind of find the podcast shows that um, within the same interest of our um, Blinkist users. So I think like our Blinkist users are pretty much interested in self-improvements business and politics and that's why we do a first taste and we i think like we did for like two or three months and we start getting some data and we start looking at different metrics and then we scale it afterwards so we kind of like do a bit of testing if it works then we scale if it not we step back and like okay why it didn't work is it the landing page is it the code or is it like um, other factors yeah this is how we kind of like get it started with blinkist 
And so you have been with the company for two years and you were the one that kind of originated the idea of starting podcasts. So have you been doing podcasts as a company for about two years, would you say, or maybe a year and a half? Uh, It's about two years. So I think like before I joined, we already have this kind of like idea of, yeah, we're going to do podcasts. We're thinking it's going to work. And when I joined, Mm -hmm. we just like, okay, let's do it. Let's um, have a campaigns and let's see how it goes. I spent pretty much like trying to set up like um, the link, how we work with the agencies, how we work with the briefing. So yeah, pretty much preparing all the um, like the context for a podcast to work for us. Mm-hmm. And is, is podcasting your main job? Is that what you do for Blinkist or do you do other things um, as well? It wasn't my main job until recently because uh-huh. um, like my position actually the kind of um, influencer slash paid partnership. So I take care of like different influencers. I also run our in-house athlete program, but it's just that like um, podcasts start taking off and we start spending more and we start seeing good response and we kind of like, as we, as we test more, we kind of grow more confidence in podcasts. Mm-hmm. And that's why now I'm actually spent, I would say like 80 or 90% on podcasts because it's been working for us. So yeah. And would you say that you consider podcasts to be influencers? I think the way Blinkist work with podcast advertising is still pretty much like influencer marketing style. Why is that? Because we still value this kind of organic, good quality host red content. And I think this is the, the reason why it's worked for us because with that, I think podcast advertising provides kind of like contextual um, at spot in which those actually take time to, to really explain about us because I think we are new in the space mm-hmm. and take some time for a user to actually understand what is about us. And this kind of format actually works well for this. So yeah, so now we're considering um, podcasts as part of like influencer marketing, uh-huh. but uh, we also work a lot with this kind of dynamic insertions, like pre-recorded ads. I wouldn't say that as like in- influencer marketing, right. but more right. towards media buying. But yeah, we try to balance it out. And so you bring up a really good point. Do you, um, what percentage of the podcast ads that you buy are dynamically inserted as opposed to embedded? Do you know? Yeah, I would say like for now, it's just around 10% dynamic insertions and the rest are pretty much like our classic um, host red um, bacon ads. Okay. Okay, cool. And I know you've referred to agencies several times. um, And I I do, I know that from talking to advertisers, one of the elements that can be very challenging with um, podcast ad buying is when you have, I mean, and I don't know how many podcasts you buy ads on, but I would say that it's in excess of probably a hundred. And if you're trying to deal with all of these different podcasts, it can be very challenging. So have you found that working through agencies to do your ad buying has been more efficient for you as opposed to going direct to the podcasters? Um, yeah, I think like it's more efficient because I feel like because it's also we choose to have this kind of like sponsorship, like host red and uh-huh. this kind of um, format of um, advertising requires a lot of communication, like briefing, making sure that like the ad quality is great and it involves a lot of you know, like communications and by working with agency, I think like it's really helped a lot to make that process easier. For example, I don't really have a lot of kind of like a resource dedicated to podcast advertising. And I feel like working with agencies really 
help us to scale more efficiently. Yeah, I would say yes. And so do you find that when you look at podcast advertising, I know that you said essentially your strategy is to go and test podcasts and then when they work to kind of scale them. I I feel like there's kind of a couple of different strategies I've encountered where some advertisers like to buy just a few big shows and they get results from those. And then some advertisers really like to kind of go really like I consider wide and and thin. So it's like they buy lots of podcasts, but they don't buy a ton of ads on each of those. Do you feel like you have like a certain strategy in place for testing podcasts to see which ones are going to be effective? Yes. So I think like uh, we call it like 20%, 80%. So for example, every campaigns we test, we always have like a hypothesis of like, okay, we want to test whether um, tech audience are interested in this. So we um, get a list of all the potential shows and we try to like have a balanced mix of like big size, medium size and more of like smaller shows. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is that we try to, I think we try to go to get um, a certain number. For example, each campaign, I think we test around like 50. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we want to get this like amount of show is that at the end of the day, it's always that like 20% of the shows always work for us. And the profits or revenues we get from these shows will actually make up for the rest of the 80% of the shows. And that's why we always need to have a lot of choices in our campaign mix. So yeah, I would say, yeah, our strategy is like 20%, 80%. Wow, that's really interesting. And so I think, but I feel like that's such important information for people listening to, to really digest because I will often have conversations with advertisers that have not done podcast advertising before and they'll say, oh, well, I think I'll just buy one podcast. And if that exactly. one podcast yeah. works for me, then I'll buy more. And I'm like, wait, wait, that's, that doesn't work. <laughs> like it doesn't, that, and, yeah. and I think the concept is, is it's not, it's not like, oh, I bought radio ads and radio worked for me. So now I'm going to do more radio because each podcast is so different. Their audiences are so different. Yeah. And also I think it's so important to look at is, your product resonating with that audience, right? I mean, it could be a great podcast that performs really well for um, some advertisers, but when it comes to your specific product, it just might not resonate with the audience. So it does sound to me like you are really focused on, hey, let's buy wide and then identify the shows that do work and then continue to advertise with those shows. Exactly. This is like our strategies. And I think you are correct. And I, I think it's also like a nature of this kind of influencer marketing space as well. I mean, even though we know that like, okay, this kind of show, for example, like self-improvement show is going to work for us. They have exact audience demographics that we want. They have the same content. And yeah, but at, at the end of the day, I feel like podcast or influencer marketing, it just like not every show is going to work for you. Mm-hmm. But working together, you have like a nice balanced mix of everything. I think this would actually um, make your campaigns, I would say like RI positive in the end, yeah. And so in terms of your tests, how how many ads do you usually buy on a podcast in order to test whether or not it's going to be effective for you? Sure. So like our benchmark here is that like, oh, we try to buy like one spot in these episodes and our minimum frequency, I would say frequency, it's of at least four episodes. And we try to test different, like either one week on, one week off. So there's not a fix there, but like we aim to at least hit four um, episodes before we start evaluating the campaigns. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is that I feel like podcast is just 
a platform that takes frequency. Like the listener needs um, certain amounts of the spot before they like, oh, I'm interested. I want to shake out. And that's why we never like, okay, let's test like one campaigns. Oh, the, the performance is horrible and let's cut it, something like that. We always aim for at least four episodes. Excellent. That's perfect. I think one of the, the things that I have seen with podcasts that I find so fascinating is that all of the listens don't happen at once. So it's not like a video maybe where you can see like, oh, when I dropped this video, all of these people watched it or on social media where you know you've, get, you've gotten a certain number of impressions like in 24 hours. It takes people a really long time to listen to podcasts, right? It's like they're listening, but just because your episode came out today doesn't mean that they're going to listen to it today. They might not listen to it for two weeks. So what I hear you saying is that the frequency is important because they have to hear about you multiple times to take action. And also I like that you're staggering the ads because it just takes time. It's not, I haven't found it to be a medium that delivers overnight results. Would you say that's been the case for you? Yes, that being the case for us as well. I think like the timeline we um, allocate for our podcast campaign evaluations, it's even like three months because we believe that like, um, for example, when we look at our data dashboard, we still see um, clicks on the vanity URLs coming from the episodes that already launched like three months ago. Mm-hmm. And we kind of like, uh, for example, if this show is performing bad at the moment, we still give it like, okay, let's have a look like two weeks or three weeks after because we have this um, three months time frames that we can look at. And because we believe that within this three months, that should be still this kind of like lack, um, we call it like lack users coming in. Mm-hmm. And for, for some, like for those like um, top shows for us that's been working with us, we can still see um, like people coming in from the landing page and subscribing to our app within like a year after that, um, the last episodes mm-hmm. with us. So I feel like, yeah, podcast is such a platform that it would take some time to actually understand the the impact of it. Yeah. Right, right. The other thing, and I don't want to jump the gun because we haven't talked a ton about how you're tracking yeah. the results, but one yeah. of the things that is so important is leaving that unique URL or the promo code active because I, I find too, a lot of times yeah. advertisers will be like, oh, it didn't work. I'm tra- shutting that promo code off. And you're like, wait, don't do that. Leave it up. And so it sounds like you find that people are going to that, that URL maybe even a year after. Exactly. I think like we, we, I mean, you shouldn't do that at all. And I think it's just like, um, like an advantages of this advertising platform. For example, compared to Facebook ad, for example, when you buy Facebook ad, you show like impressions and it disappear and you won't see any clicks are coming because your campaign ends, but for podcasts, I think that's the beauty of it. You still get this kind of like long tail um, customer coming mm-hmm. out. And I think you also should be able to um, find a way to attribute this users back to the actual shows. So tell us a little bit about what techniques you use to track the results then. Sure. A very um, interesting topic for podcast advertising, of course. So, um, yeah, so I think we work with the industry famous Vanity Rail. So every host or every show that we work with, we create like a customized landing page, for example, like Blinkist.com slash Sierra. Mm-hmm. And uh, on that landing page, we try to at least features like the host um, name or um, photo just to, you know, like create an environment that like, hey, um, I'm actually not going away from this actually shows. Like you still see some... Um, family face and within this landing page we 
embedded a lot of like um, trials, discounts. Most of them are call to actions that um, the listeners, once they arrive on the landing page, they can convert right away. And then we use this landing page to to track everything like clicks, signups, subscriptions, or purchase something like that. And yeah, when and we attribute this back according to shows that we work with. This is like a like a basic structure for our um, tracking and attribution here at Blinkist. That's great. Yeah, that that's perfect. And I think you make some really good points, which is um, if you heard about a, a product or service on a specific podcast, when you do create a landing page and the visitor goes to that landing page, they feel some familiarity because you're referencing exactly. the show that they came from, right? So feels like it's kind of part of that. The other thing is, is that it is a lot of work to create an individualized landing page for each podcast. But I think that you are demonstrating that you're investing in the medium. And part of that is putting in the work to make it work, right? <laughs> um, so like exactly, creating that yeah. landing page isn't easy necessarily, yeah. but it really does help kind of tie the, the campaign together. So instead of just doing a promo code, you're you're putting a little bit more upfront work in, but like you said, you're able to recoup your investment ultimately because you know that it's going to perform at some level. Exactly. I think like it's really worth investment in coming out with this like um, customized landing page because <laughs> I feel like um, the audience who already remember Divan URL mm-hmm. and actually tap it in the browser, I feel like they are such a high intent users. And um, what we don't want to do is just like send them to the homepage and they get lost right. or send them to like an app store and like, okay, what should I do next? There's so many layers after that. So I think it's just really worth investment that you kind of like create this page where it just connects the dot. Like, hey, um, the listener like the ad, they want to know more about Blinkist. When they arrive on the landing page, they're ready to sign up and test your products. And I think it just, if you're going to spend um, a lot of testing budget advertising a podcast, I think you should spend a little bit more just to finish out this whole trail. Yeah, I think that's my recommendation for that. But yeah, it's it will take quite resources from your, I'm not sure, like web team or tech team to set up. But what we have is like we kind of have a template already. So I can just change um, the name of the host and just put the picture. So it saves time. But yeah, it still requires some effort to do that. When those potential customers come and visit that landing page, are you able to capture their information and then do any sort of retargeting ads to them if they don't convert? This is what we wanted to do, but we haven't done that yet. So now we have like only one standard thin line, um, like kind of like retar- like CRM campaigns where our CRM team, our customer relationship team, just sent like a like newsletter to, to follow up. But it's the same as whether you're coming from Facebook or offline marketing. So this is what we plan to do. And uh-huh. I believe that it should work better, but we just haven't have time to do that yet. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that could be a really good next level because, you know, obviously they're they're qualified enough to come to that landing page. So if you could retarget them somewhere else, um, even if they don't convert in that one moment, you would have the opportunity to continue to pique their interest with other um, outreaches. Yeah. I feel like I always wanted to do that. And I think if we do that, we're going to increase the conversion for sure. I think this is 
100% for sure. For example, we can even go further by like, oh, if you're coming from this kind of like political shows mm-hmm. and in this CRM um, retargeting campaigns, you can even like, oh, the host actually recommend this book in Blinkist. Do you want to actually uh, click on the link and read more about that book in Blinkist, something like that? There's much more opportunity for in this like retargeting that we can explore, yes. And it sounds like you haven't necessarily found better results based on size. So when you look at evaluating the shows, it does size really matter? Um, are the number of downloads a show is getting relevant to the results you get? Yes. I would say like now when we at the point that we try to really scale this platform up, yes. For us, um, we always try to stay on this kind of like mediums and big shows, but not too much on like super, super huge shows. Okay. And the reason why we don't go for like super smaller or super big show is that like for small shows, I think the smaller it is, we see great engagement and that's great. But at the end of the day, we spend the same amount of effort in activating those smaller shows compared to big shows. Uh-huh. So basically that's been like um, 10 hours activating the campaigns. But at the end, we get like just like five customers compared right. to the same amount of effort spent on a little bit bigger shows, but we get like hundreds of customers. And I think like in terms of engagements, the smaller and medium size always a win. We always see better engagements. But like at the end of the day, when we um, look at in terms of scale of um, profit or customer that we're getting back, then we try to move up towards like medium size and big shows. Mm-hmm. And do you have a certain number that to you classifies as being uh, medium or big? like a certain number of downloads per episode? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and I don't think it's follow any um, industry benchmark. It's just like purely Blinkers um, benchmark. Yeah. So I, for me, um, anything below um, $5,000 per episode, I consider it as like a small shows. Okay. And um, medium size, I think it can go from like 5,000 up to um, 200,000 or 300,000, anything bigger than like 400,000, I would consider as like big shows for me. Perfect. Perfect. That's great. Yeah. I, I'm in total agreement with you. So that, that's perfect. And so do you find that podcast advertising works well in conjunction with the other forms of outreach and advertising you're doing, or do you see it more as being just a standalone medium? Mm, I would say like at the end of the day, um, every advertising platform that we do will eventually complement each other. And um, of course we have like, we don't have like transparency in this yet, but we are always trying to do because for me, I feel like, for example, if you listen to podcasts, but like, yeah, I like Blinkist, but you know, I'm not going to do anything. And then you see an ad on Facebook again, maybe that person will click or another person watched um, Blinkers on TV ads and like, oh, I'm interested, but not really going to do anything. And then he or she um, hear about us from the podcast again, then like, okay, now I'm interested. And then I will go to the landing page. I think it will, I mean, it is complementing each other. And I wouldn't say that it's a standalone platform. And yeah, I mean, just like any sort of marketing, the more impressions that you get, and it doesn't really matter where that impression is, just as long as it's something that has an impact on you and makes you think and and just take notice of the brand and and think about how it can really impact your personal life. I mean, that's really at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is get enough impressions in enough ways to convert that person into an actual customer. Exactly. And also we just try to to kind of like be visible to like um, where our audience spending their time. For example, maybe um, a lot of them just spending on Facebook and social medias and podcasts will never work. 
but like the other half will like really listen to radio or podcast. So I think like we're just trying to to be there mm-hmm. with the audience. Would you say that you've had any particular challenges with podcast advertising? Yes, I think like um, the challenge that we're having now is scaling because um, mm-hmm. we try to treat podcasts as this kind of like um, organic um, host red influencer style, mm-hmm. and this really takes a lot of time. It's I feel like you didn't really feel it when you do a test campaigns, but now when you want to really like, for example, we are currently working with like hundreds or two hundred shows a month. This kind of things become a problem because, for example, like I sit next to um, like a Facebook managers who can spend like 40, 50K in one minute because they're like a automation, there's a platform for it. But for podcasts, it's still hard because there's a lot of human elements, a lot of communication, and there's no like machines or automation that can scale this um, types of ad formats in a bigger um, like amount. So I feel like that's a challenge, how we can actually work more efficiently and scale this platform while maintaining this kind of like human qualities of this kind of like host red. Right, right. Well, because I was going to say, we certainly could look to programmatic and be like, exactly. You know, yeah. that, and That's that is happening goal. more in the space, right? So that would make it easier and, and scalable. But then to me, you take out the whole heart and soul of what the medium provides, which is that personal connection, which is what people want. Exactly. Yeah. And also like start seeing that like the industry is kind of moving towards in that direction, which is understandable because like there's more um, um, advertising budget in and of course, yeah, like it's get developed and yeah, but I think like it's going to be the challenge for us as a marketeer to, to strike a balance between having this kind of human element in this programmatic podcast world, which is yeah. going to be, I'm hundred percent sure that it's coming, but yeah. Yes. Yes. I know. I'm going to hold on to the human element as much as I can because I, <laughs> I just think, I, and I feel like as a consumer, I mean, people don't like ads, right? I mean, nobody wants ads, but I always look at it that we don't like ads, but we all love to buy products and we all love recommendations. Yeah. And so when you feel like a friend is making a recommendation on a product, you're much more interested and much more engaged. So I feel like that human element is so important. But scalability is challenging, so. <laughs> exactly. And just the, like, the beauty of, like, for example, this traditional, um, like, ad spot, it's just you creating, like, digital content. Every time you um, have a spot with a host, it lasts forever. It lasts for years. And you can right. still see, like, long-tailed customer coming. And I think, like, with the dynamic, you might lose this charm. And it's just going to be, like, another impression-serving ad stuff going to disappear because what we do now for Blinkist is like we're already creating a lot of this kind of audio footprint in the space like every time you listen to different shows like oh I actually heard Blinkist from this like episode back in 2017 and I think this is like the charm of this space. So would you recommend other businesses check out podcast advertising? Definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, I think but before you actually um, start testing campaigns, I think you really have to make sure that you have like a metric in place to make sure that, okay, if you're going to do a podcast ad, we're going to look at these metrics to, to evaluate whether it works or it doesn't. Because I think like I've been talking to a lot of brands as well and they did some tests and it failed because I feel like at the end of the day, they don't know what they're looking for or they don't know which, which metrics that they can hold on to. And for us, it's just like, okay, we're going to look at RI and we just stick to it. Mm-hmm. And we try to work, even though the first campaign, of course, like it's fail in terms of all right, but we kind of like, yeah, 
we want to make this work in terms of RI, and that's why we're trying to invest and improve on it. And also the second thing I think like um, you really have to make sure that you have your tracking and attribution right, because if you don't have that, then you're going to finish your podcast campaign without any data. And it's going to be hard for you to make a decision on moving forward. Right. Absolutely. I think that that is great advice. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate all of your insight and your wisdom. And um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us before we wrap up the show today? Um, no, just like if you haven't heard about Blinkist yet, just check out Blinkist. Yes. <laughs> it's a great app. Yes, <laughs> check it out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. It was great to have Sierra on the podcast. Blinkist has done a ton of advertising in the podcast space, so they really have some deep knowledge. I wanted to summarize our conversation so you had a few key takeaways and just points that Sierra had recommended. So first, he really feels that the bonus of the medium is that the brand or company really creates an audio footprint that lasts because the episodes are available indefinitely. And most podcast ads right now are embedded into the episode, which means that you can go into a back catalog and listen to an ad from a year ago and hear the ad that was played in that time. So what they have really found is that it's important to make sure that you continue to monitor completed ad campaigns. So continue to monitor the results and also make sure to leave the URL or promo codes active. I found that a lot of advertisers don't do that. And I would highly recommend leave those promo codes active for as long as you can, because they see a lag time in results that comes in from shows that they haven't advertised with for over a year. So they're seeing like a year long lag time. So make sure that you're leaving those promo codes active. Blinkist has a three month strategy for evaluating podcasts. So first they create a balanced portfolio of different sized shows. And through a podcast advertising agency, they feel like they're able to really kind of gain that balanced portfolio. The second step they take is they set up a campaign and they buy one spot on each episode for four episodes. And they stagger those ads one week on, one week off. So they buy four ads, but they're not running them all four consecutively. They're staggering them. After that time period, they digest the campaign results and they decide how to move forward, right? They decide, did this succeed or did it not? The consumer takes more than one episode to be influenced enough to take action. So we know that, right? Like it's going to take more than just one ad read to actually get results for your campaign. So that's why it really is important to buy that, that kind of deep. A successful outcome for them is to have 20% of the shows that they're buying ads on result in an excellent ROI because he has found that those 20% of successful shows cover the expense of the 80% that weren't successful. So that's just how powerful podcast ads can be when they work, right? And of course, it's not going to work 100% of the time as we see from his results, but when it does work, it works really well. And so Based on their buying strategy, they're able to still really come out with a positive ROI. So that also then gives them the opportunity to take a deeper focus on the shows that did work and then create new campaigns for those shows to drive even greater return on their investment. So now tracking can be done by creating a custom landing page, uh, which they do. So they're creating this custom and unique URL with a landing page. And they have found that it's important to feature the podcast host with their name and their photograph 
so that when a consumer comes to that landing page, they feel, you know, a sense of familiarity. They know the host, they have, you know, had a connection there and they're coming to this advertiser because of the host. The company can then embed, you know, different trials and discounts and calls to action on that landing page. And then they can track all of the click-throughs, the signups and purchases and things of that nature. Now, they have also found that working with an advertising agency has been more effective and efficient than trying to complete the process directly with podcast hosts. Because if a company is buying podcast ads on a large number of different shows, the logistics can be very intricate and they can be very time consuming. So it costs the company more in labor versus if they use a podcast advertising agency because that agency can liaison back and forth with the host on their behalf and really take a lot of the work out of the process. Those were the tips that we heard from Sira. We're so glad that you listened to the episode and I hope that this has helped you in your journey to create successful podcast ad campaigns. Thanks so much for listening to the show and we'll catch you next time. If you want to learn more about how to be a market leader in podcast advertising, reach out to us at truenativemedia.com.